let's get our swords out this evening. You know, our swords are our sword of the Lord, if you will, our copy of the word of God, his words right here in our hands. Let's pull them out and turn to Acts chapter 7. Uh, Acts chapter 7, as we continue in our study through the Acts, uh, through the book of Acts. This is actually part 23 uh, in our study. Uh, and we finished off last week uh, right around uh, Acts chapter, or verse chapter 7, of course, but verse 37. So I want to take this time now to, to go ahead and pick up right there at verse number 37 and read down to verse 50. We, we will not finish this chapter today. I tried. I really wanted to, uh, but the Lord just wasn't in it. And uh, there's just so much depth. You could actually spend a whole lot more than just you know, 15, 20 minutes in this passage here. But look at verse 37. The Bible says, this is that Moses. Now we know this is in the middle of the dialogue here. I trust that you've read a little bit. You've read ahead in chapter 7 here. And you understand uh, that this is in the middle of Stephen's preaching to the, to the Sanhedrin or the, or the, uh, the Jews, the high priest, and those five synagogues that, route, that, that kind of come together there at the end of chapter 6. And this is like midway through. He's already went through like a historical lesson uh, of how, how God has chosen the nation of Israel. And he's gotten all the way to, or he's arrived to where Moses is. And he says, this is that Moses, verse 37, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt, saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship, worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered me to me, uh, offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, you took up the tabernacle of Molech, and, and the star of your god Repton, figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, and he, uh, as he appointed, uh, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Verse 45 says, Which, are, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God, and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest, hath not mine hand made all these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your hands. We thank you for your creation. Uh, we thank you for just just creating us and loving us and intervening into our lives. And we thank you for this moment. And as we study through Acts, Lord, help me to, to teach and preach and hear uh, what you've helped me to, to learn and study here. Lord, uh, be with me in this moment. Be with us as we, as we watch this together as a church, Lord, and be with the prayer afterwards. Uh, Lord, and we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So again, this is part 23 of our, of our walk through the book of Acts. And here Stephen, uh, again, picking up by halfway in, in between there, is reminding the Jews, of the, whole, the, the high priests and all those that came from those synagogues, that even the great venerated Moses prophesied of a coming prophet. We know that prophet to be the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And then look there uh, at verse number 38. Uh, Stephen continues, This is he that was in the church of the wilderness where the angels spake unto them who received the lively oracles uh, given unto us. So God used Moses to deliver his message to his chosen people. And at the core of that message is the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and Stephen is, is getting to that point here. Uh, now please, uh, as, we, as we look through this verse here, don't, please don't misunderstand Stephen's use of the word church here. There are, there are some who make a... Uh, a different uh, or make something out of this word here. Maybe that's the best way to put that. But there was no church in the Old Testament, uh, and Israel was not replaced by the church. There was no church in our understanding of the New Testament church, anyway, in the Old Testament. The term here is the Greek term. Uh, it's believed that Stephen is here is quoting the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, and they translated it as ecclesia, as church. So it's no mistake that the uh, that they would translate it as that, but it's just in the Greek sense of the word. It's an assembly of people. It's a gathering uh, of people there. Uh, so Christ is the author of the New Testament church. If you remember, uh, remember Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will build my church. I will build my church. So that phrase there is future tense. You know, Literarily speaking, like as in the New Testament and Old Testament, um, but since we're talking about the church, it's about the New Testament, you can say that a church was conceived late in the gospel record and born and raised in the book of Acts, but not in the Old Testament. And then we get to verse uh, 39. We're just going to, we're going to read a couple of verses here because it all kind of goes together here. But look at verse number 39. Uh, Stephen says, to whom our fathers would not obey, speaking there of, of Moses, of course, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again unto Egypt. You know, they got over there, and as uh, soon as they got uh, on the other side of the Red Sea, they turned their back on him. Uh, verse 40 says, Saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we would not what is become of They don't know what's come of him, they think, because he's up at the mountain there receiving the law. And they made that golden calf, if you remember that. If you're reading there in the book of Exodus, and they, they talked about when they were explaining that to Joshua and Moses, and they put in these earrings and the gold, and out come this calf. Like they were, they were surprised that this, this God would come out of there. Uh, but they came out and they rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Verse 41 talks about. Verse 42 uh, goes on to how God reacted to that. But we know the story here. Uh, we know that Moses was on the mountaintop. He was up there for a long time. Uh, but, you know, even before you even get to that, you remember three days outside of the Red Sea, three days it took the, the children of Israel to reject and complain against God because of the water and that it was, that it was bitter. Three short days. Uh, remember, that's not just, not just right of the Red Sea on a timeline there, but that's the miracle of the Red Sea. They just didn't drive over on the, on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, you know, or whatever it may be, along San Francisco Bridge or whatever it may be over the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. And three days after such a great miracle, they start, they start complaining, surprisingly, about the bitter water. God can part the water, but apparently he can't make the water not bitter. 
Uh, but they rejected Moses over and over again, and ultimately they rejected God. Um, and while Moses, again, was visiting on that mountaintop, he was speaking with the one true and living God. They worshipped something that they made with their own hands. I mean, get, understand the concept there. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Um, so in a sense, the Jews to which Stephen was speaking, they had elevated their version of the law to that which was greater than what God's law was. And, and, and so in essence, they were really guilty of worshiping something they had made all over again. Uh, and before we can conclude how ridiculous it is and self-centered it is and how ignorant it might be, we, we are guilty, unfortunately, of the very same thing from time to time. You know, when we put anything before God, when we put anything before God or the things of God, by the way, when we put our careers, our material possessions, whatever it may be, above that which was given to us by God, like they did with the law, we might as well be worshiping a golden calf. Now, of course, we don't want to go do that and we shouldn't be doing those things, but let's make sure that we're not falling into the same traps here uh, that the children of Israel fell into. Unfortunately, we, like the Jews, we have a merciful God. We have a gracious God who, because of his own payment on the cross, for us to come back, for us to get right with God, it only requires repentance and faith. Listen, there's no, we don't have to go out and slaughter and pay, do some incense on a mountaintop. We just need faith and repentance. Simple. No work of hands. Nothing like this. God just wants us to come to him uh, through faith and repentance. And then you look at verse uh, 42 of Acts chapter 7. We see how God reacted to their, to their wilderness to their wilderness rebellion and rejection, and on through even after they got to the promised land and so forth and so forth. Now we see then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? So this verse tells us what happens when there is no repentance, when there is no, no faith in coming back to God, at least to the children of Israel. So God gave them up to their own desires. Uh, look at verse 43. It says, Ye took up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your God, figures which ye made uh, to worship. Uh, so I will carry you away uh, into Babylon. You know, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the, in the wilderness. And as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to to the fashion that he had seen. So verse, 40 talk, verse 44 talks about the tabernacle and the purpose of the tabernacle, and we'll come back to that. But for those other two verses here, we see that God gave them up to their own desires. And this reading here should really remind the studied Christian of Romans chapter 1, where God's patience is exhausted, even in the church age, mind you, for those who just won't repent. Three times in the book of Romans chapter 1, God says, I will give them over to such and such, uncleanness, reprobate mind, and so forth. Three times. So this passage here confirms, here Stephen preaching uh, about the history of the Jews, this, this confirms the reason or, or, or why God allowed the Jews to be carried away beyond Babylon. And Stephen quotes Amos chapter 5 in doing so. In other words, Stephen, he is reminding the Jews that they not only have a history of rejecting God's man, they also reject God and worship idols 
just like every other society. God had chosen them. You know, with, we've been talking about Abraham there in Genesis chapter 12 and 13 here on, on Tuesdays. So God reached into this world. He, he grabbed a man and a people unto himself. And that people keeps rebelling and rejecting over and over and over again. And they, and they worshiped idols just like their neighbors. You know, the Amorites and the Hittites and the Canaanites and all those like that. They just, they did the same thing even though God had blessed them with a the knowledge of who he was. God had called them to himself, but they keep rejecting him. And, and in that rejection, there in front of Stephen, you picture him, all the crowd around him, the high priest, you know, somewhere overlooking that, you know, and all his, his, uh, his individuals there subordinate to him, overwatching all these things like that. Stephen's reminded them of the history of, of their rejecting, but in their rejection, they, they live like they have some great pedigree. They have a horrible pedigree. You know, Stephen, it's, it's just like Stephen is asking them, did you forget about Babylon? Did you forget about Assyria? Did you forget why you were carried away in exile? Over and over and over again, he starts from way back, you know, from Abraham and Moses and all this. He goes, over and over you have rejected God and the people of God, and now you sit there in your great pedigree? And he doesn't really bring that to an end here, but he does here at the end of this chapter. Uh, you know, in Acts 6, 13, let's not forget the context of what's going on here. Acts chapter 6, verse 13, the Jews who disputed with Stephen, the high priest and all those over there, they said that this man, Stephen that is, ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. But as Stephen points out, the entire nation of Israel had a history of speaking blasphemous words against the tabernacle and the law. Now they're going to call him out? Uh, they have, and he just went through the whole history and showed them that they're guilty of what they're accusing him of being guilty of. And then look at verse 45. Verse 45 continues, which, our, which also our fathers uh, that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers, unto the days of David. Now this Jesus is, of course, the courageous Joshua. Remember, that's the same word in the Greek, Yeshua, uh, the successor of Moses. Uh, God used him to drive out the inhabitants of the land. And this verse also states that God kept those inhabitants, those who opposed Israel, away from Israel. They, he kept Israel's enemies at bay until the time of David. In uh, verse 46 tells us who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle uh, for the God of Jacob. Now, David was kind of like God's second Joshua. Joshua was there to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. God kept those inhabitants away at bay, if you will, for a long time until the time of David. And then when David came along, God raised him up and said, it's time to clean house again, so to speak. Uh, so he was kind of like a second Joshua uh, to those who did not call upon the name of the Lord, who were in the land there. You know, if you think about it, of all David's mistakes, he made a lot of mistakes. But you put all those things together, we can really still come to the conclusion that David loved the Lord. He knew how to follow God. He knew how to speak to God. And he knew how to, to repent. We see there, but who? verse 46 says, who found favor before God. David found favor, found grace in the eyes of God. David made a lot of mistakes, but he knew how to repent. He knew how to speak to God. 
Uh, verse 47 tells us that Solomon built that house. We know that David gathered all the lumber, the cedars of Lebanon and all those things like that. But God would not allow him to, uh, to build that, uh, him, him a house. He wanted Solomon to do it. Uh, if, if there was to be a house to build anyway, and we'll, we'll mention here a little bit more about that here in a moment. Uh, but look at uh, these next few verses here, beginning in verse 48. Stephen is actually quoting Isaiah 66. And I want you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, don't lose your mark here in Acts chapter 7, but I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 66. And we're going to read a few verses there. Uh, but while you're turning there, I just want to you know, point out that you know, David was there. He was the king. Uh, he was a man of war. Uh, he wanted to build a house. But if you read through that, if you remember, it wasn't God's idea for David to build him a house. It was David's idea. So Solomon, uh, when he actually built that house, it was an allowance, not a commandment from God. Uh, although we see, that, uh, we see God using that and patterning after tabernacle and all those things like that. But look at Isaiah chapter 66, and I want you to read or follow along in the first two verses there. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. So we'll read on here in a minute there, but God is saying, you know, how are you going to build me anything? And then look at Stephen's look at Stephen's comments there in verse forty eight. Verse forty eight, Stephen preaches, "Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet." He's speaking of Isaiah. Verse forty nine says, "Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me?" saith the Lord, "or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things?" Hath not my hand made all these things? You know, anything and everything that we can possibly get our hands on, either on this earth, in the moon, or you know, wherever, in this whole creation, whatever we can possibly get our hands on to build something for God, it was first made by God. And that's God's point here. I created it all. What are you going to do for me? Um, and that's what's... David still had a heart to do that. So... I think what Stephen's getting here and what God is getting at is that he didn't need a tabernacle to reside among men, but he chose to because of David. He chose to because of David. Isaiah records God's response to David right there in verse 2 again. Look at verse 2 there back in Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah writes, For all those things about God, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. I mean, David is just another man. He puts his sandals on just like you and I put ours on. But he knew God. He knew God. And God knew him. God, God loved him, and God, and he loved God. But to this man, I don't need to do all this stuff, and I don't really, I don't need to do any of these things. God is pretty much saying. But David, because I know you love me, and this is what you want to do for me, I'll allow it. I don't need it. I, I have many other ways, but I'll allow it. But to this man, will I look? So in Stephen's sermon, 
he's making a very valid point to the Jews here. Remember, they're accusing him of blaspheming the temple back there in Acts chapter 6, 13. Blaspheming the holy place and speaking against Moses and speaking against the law. Speaking against the temple, the tabernacle. But Stephen's point is that God doesn't reside in any building. Verse 49 says, heaven is my throne. Heaven is God's throne. The temple was God's condescending to a man that loved him. The temple was God condescending to a man so that we can better understand who he is. It was never supposed to be about the temple. It was never supposed to be about the, the, the buildings and all those things. All of those things were to point to God. It was supposed to be about God, and it was supposed to be about the people who worship God. The temple was a place for God to meet people like David, who understood that God was bigger than any temple. Isaiah writes that it was meant to be for him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. The temple was made for us to meet God but we didn't have to go there. It was a matter of the heart, the contrite spirit, and one that trembleth at the words of God. And for us today, as we pause right here before the closing of Stephen's sermon, God is bigger than the temple. He is greater than any of our church buildings. He's greater than Hohenfels Baptist Church. He's greater than any church building. As grand as they may look on the inside, he is bigger than anything. Yes, the Bible speaks of the importance of, 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 of this world and taking care of this world. But this world, at the end of the day, so to speak, it's his footstool. You know, so it doesn't matter how, how great a power may, may rise to on this, on this planet, on this rock. It's the footstool of God. It's just a footstool. And there are some important things we must do. You know, the Bible speaks of important things, of, of belonging to a church family, the importance of living a good life, the importance of, of praying and Bible reading. But if we miss the heart of the issue, if we miss the reason, if we, if we see the temple and miss God, if we see the church and miss God, if we see Bible reading and prayer and living a good life and we miss the Son of God, we miss it all. If we miss a relationship with Christ, we've missed it all. So don't fall into this trap like the, like the Jews had fell into during this time here when Stephen was about to be stoned. They, took it, they looked at all the material things and they put those things, those things that were supposed to point to Christ, to point to God, they looked at those things as God. And let's never make that same mistake. Let's have a right relationship. Let's have a, a poor and contrite spirit. Let's, let's tremble at the word of God. Don't miss, don't miss Jesus Christ. And I trust that, that your walk is, is with the Lord. It's great this week. It's great uh, today. And uh, I hope that uh, you will have a blessed evening. I hope to see you here uh, in a few moments as we get to pray together. And as always, be safe, be good. And be Christian. God bless you. Have a good night.